0: Dotnet Rocks, episode 991, with guest Stuart Lodge. Recorded Wednesday, May 14th, 2014.
1: Hey, hey, hey! It's another Dotnet Rocks. Woohoo! Indeed. And to quote the car talk, guys, you're about to waste another perfectly good hour listening to Carl and Richard and uh <laughs> people seem to enjoy that carl yeah people seem to enjoy wasting their time uh stewart lodge is here we're gonna have a great show for you but um before we do any of that we got some business to take care of like better no framework awesome all right buddy what do you got well follow my logic here i've been trying to do that for years yeah Try to follow my logic. Try to follow what I think is my logic. So, uh, Stuart's got MVVM cross, which we're going to yep. talk about, which really helps you go cross-platform. And uh, well, we've been talking a lot about it. it. Everything up from the from the view model backwards. The goal is to be able to share that across platform. Yeah. You know, as much common code as possible. Right. So if you're listening to this show, you probably want to write as little code as possible to go across many many platforms. Well, there's another way to do that, and that's monogame, right? Yeah. Yeah. For doing games and sort of graphical programs. And monogame is great because you can share, as we have witnessed recently, 99 Mm -hmm. to 97% of your code, and it runs everywhere. Right. And it uses XNA, so you have to program an XNA. So I'm always thinking, man, if we just had some pretty decent GUI tools for XNA, we could make our own sort of styled, you know, for simple data entry and business apps that are kind of styled with our brand, you know, as long as they're not too crazy and not too difficult we could actually use this to do some cross-platform business apps sure yeah the problem is let's find some good ui for xna and you forget what it takes to
0: build ui stuff right like it's not a trivial piece of work
1: no and especially in a graphical area i mean in xaml it's great because you just say put that there put that there a little tweak a little tweak But in XNA, I mean, you generally end up building your own stuff because you you have to. You're you're in charge of every pixel, right? And you're often in a tight loop, Uh, so you know it's it's difficult and different. But there are a few UI systems out there for XNA, and here's another one. Yeah, here's another one on Codeplex, .codeplex XUI.codeplex.com. i don't know how you say this but it's xna40 ui system for xbox 360 and windows interesting and there's a really cool uh video on youtube that they link to just take a second and look at that video and we'll cut out the time here so that we're not just listening to us watch the video but go ahead and look at this
2: i'm a bit worried it hasn't been updated in two years though
1: yeah you're right Stuart. it hasn't been updated in a long time but you know uh, what I like about open source projects is that you know if somebody wants to take the initiative and get permission, they can just sort of take over, right? You know, so so this is why I'm sort of getting the word out. It's like if if something like this gets polished and gets slick enough and good enough, where we can do some interesting and simple uh, UI for. And I'm again, I'm not talking about Lotus One Two Three. On your iPhone, but you know, just some simple data entry, some good, slick-looking fonts, some list selection, th- some things like that. You might be able to do some very nice, very cool uh, business apps very quickly that share practically all of the code across platform and uh, avoid all of this other gobbledygook. That's just an idea. And the video itself
0: makes the uh, UI look very Metroy. Does doesn't it? yeah very carousel and that kind of thing.
1: I would go the other way and say that metro u i looks very sort of xboxy and game <laughs>
0: good call like for you know absolutely yeah well, in the end, it all goes back to the theater version of uh of windows right yeah media center
1: right cool stuff, bud yeah, well, there you go. so maybe somebody's interested in getting more involved in that project or. Going and looking for other projects that uh, that can uh, get us there, for sure.
2: Would you like another project in the same type of thing?
1: Sure. Yeah. Uh,
2: one, one of the really
1: Stuart uh, Lodge, ladies and gentlemen.
2: Oh, hello. Sorry, just butting in. Um, no, please do. And, and uh, yeah, one of the interesting projects that's come up through MVVM Cross is um, some guys in Hong Kong. I don't even know their names. I only know their GitHub tag. It's at Nois. And uh, they've done a port of NVVM cross across to Unity 3D. No kidding. Because um, Unity 3D has got like a big, uh, you know, package manager type thing as well. Yeah. Um, one of the packages in there is called NGUI. And NGUI is a set of controls. I don't think it's as slick as those uh, XUI ones. I think it's kind of more basic labels and text boxes and keyboard enters and things like that. Um, but they've actually taken NVVM cross and they've ported it across to Unity. So that's now available on all the platform that Unity is available on. Uh, which includes all the xboxes includes all the mac includes all the uh ios and android it's, it's mono based underneath so it's c sharp wow um and yeah it's, i think it's it's a version behind still in c
1: sharp so i think it's c sharp 4. yeah if you google bing it it's the first thing that comes up under ngui uh tasharan entertainment right i have no idea next gen um, ui kit
2: yeah and um and yeah so they've actually. Um, put it across there so you can use mvvm and you can use your normal techniques across in unity as well
1: look at that interesting wow we've, we've started a whole thing with better know framework so let's uh let's table that for a second and then uh we'll richard can read a comment and then we'll get on with the conversation richard who's talking to us i
0: grabbed a comment off of Stuart's last show which was show number 71 of the tablet show and uh, this comment comes from Sean Cross, who says, hey, a great show and very timely. I'm scoping out various options for cross-platform development and have just settled on Mono XXX or Mono Star. So I guess that would be Mono Touch, Mono for Android, da, 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 and MVVM Cross. My next app is for nurses doing employee tests in the wild using laptops and tablets. This has highlighted a major failing in many mobile cross-platform frameworks in that they missed popular mobile solutions of a Windows laptop. Hmm. Mono is good here, and MVVM Cross looks like a good solution for code reuse. So he's not just talking about tablets, but also laptops. Mm-hmm. And found that uh, MVVM Cross could handle it all, which is cool because, you know, this is the big battle now is what's mobile and what's not. Like, I don't consider a laptop necessarily mobile. I consider it portable. Mm. But when I think mobile, I think in motion, when in use. In the pocket. Pull it out of the pocket while walking and use it. Exactly. You know, that one-handed use. And they've even struggled with that with tablets. I think Zuckerberg's on record saying tablets aren't actually mobile devices. People use them in their homes. So it's really, it's an interesting question about what the right UI is, what it looks like, what you should call it. It's it's, uh, very challenging. I'm sure we'll dig into that in this show. So, Sean, thanks so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET or on any of our mobile apps because we've got them for iOS, Android, Windows Phone 7 and 8, and Windows 8. And those apps are built by Diatom
1: Enterprises. Who'd love to build you an app, just go to
0: DiatomEnterprises.com.
1: And before we go any further, let's tell you that Pluralsight is home to the largest tech and creative training library on the planet. They have over 3,000 developer, IT, and creative courses authored by MVPs and industry experts. Still releasing around are over 40 new courses a month and offering a free 10-day trial, giving you 200 minutes of access. Pluralsight has a wide range of topics, including coverage of iOS, Java, Android, web development, pretty much anything you can think of on the Microsoft stack. Try site today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. Back to Stuart. Stuart Lodge is a developer. He loves hands-on coding ever since getting a Sharp MZ80K running BASIC way back in 1981. Over the last three years, he's worked as an independent developer and has led the MVVM Cross Project, helping developers share code and build better Windows and Xamarin apps. Always writing code. Always learning lots. Welcome to .NET Rocks. You're on the Tablet Show, Stuart. Thank you. It's great to be here. And thanks for MVVM Cross. As soon as we uh, heard about it, uh, as soon as I heard about it, I I freaked out and uh, thought it was an amazing idea. And then we had you on the show, and uh, a lot has changed since the last time we talked.
2: Yeah, it was it was January last year, and it's uh, it's been a huge year. It's been uh, like All the mentions you've had of uh, of the mono stuff, that's kind of gone by the way. Now it's all called Xamarin Android, Xamarin iOS. Right. Um, Microsoft and Xamarin have teamed up. Right. Um, We've got, uh, you know, a huge increment in the use of portable code. Um, I mean, I think if you look back at the the Visual Studio 2013 launch, um, back in, what was it, October, November last year, that was all about portable libraries. Right. Um, And if you look at build last month, that was all about reusing code across platforms as well. It was about universal projects. Shared projects, portable code. Um, so, so the future is, uh, well, I know the present is very much portable.
1: So, Stuart, turns out you had a pretty good idea there. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean,
2: <laughs> yeah, we were, we were in the right place. Um, yeah. But it was, you know, it wasn't just my idea. It was, there were lots of people involved in the project now. Yeah. And we've had, well, upwards of 50 contributors to code. Um, and we've got so many people building apps now and, uh, publishing apps. Um, and as you say, they're not just apps that are on mobile. Like on phones, they're on tablets, they're on the hybrid laptops, um, and they're on desktop as well. People just want to build the code, get it out there, and get it so the users use it.
1: Right. And I do remember saying that when I asked you, uh, what's the ramp-up time like? You know, What's the investment in time that I have to to spend learning MVVM Cross before I can you know, get get going? I remember you said, take a day and crack a couple of beers. <laughs> nice.
2: I, I think I might have said coffee rather than beers. But oh, maybe yeah.
1: coffee. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The beers come on days three and four when you ship. That's the <laughs> best
1: one. Put out. That's right. <laughs> would put out a pot of tea. Uh, you know, sit down and hunker down. But um, but you've done a lot of work to to sort of uh, alleviate that startup pain, haven't you?
2: Yeah. We 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 did a whole bunch of work. Uh, well, March, April, May, releasing version three last year. Um, and, and, that was a huge amount in terms of making it an easier experience, um, bringing down the number of classes, the number of namespaces. So you didn't have quite so much to learn. Um, we then published out kind of, I've, I've published maybe 40 videos on YouTube about how to get going. Um, I've done a couple of talks. A huge number of other people have now done user group talks and blogs and all sorts of other things. Um, there's a guy, uh, called Adrian, Adrian Sudbury, who's produced a wizard for Visual Studio. Um, and wow. that was just just amazing because you just hit go, and it generates WPF, it generates WinRT, it generates Windows Phone, um, it generates Android, and it generates iOS. It generates the PCL core, and it also then just chucks in a test library for good measure.
1: So what? within
2: ninety seconds, you can just have a project up and running that is truly cross-platform, and it, you know okay. that really helps. Just wait, 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 wait.
1: Hold on Hey, hey, whoa, whoa, hey now, hey, whoa. <laughs> Okay. Now I just hit go and I have this project template. Now what, what, okay. Now hold on. Whoa. Mind blown here. Deep breaths. Yeah. Deep breaths. Once I have this project template, that's true, truly cross platform. Do I have a view model for every platform and then, uh, and then everything back from that is code?
2: So so yeah, what it does is it actually generates the one core PCL library, which has got a view model and a service in it. All right. Um, it's also got the kind of boot code in there, so it boots up if you've got back-end things that need to talk to servers or to a local database or whatever. Okay. It talks to all of those, um, and it sets that up as the PCL shared project. Right. Um, then the first thing you should really look at, because everyone does, right, is the test project that goes with it. Right. Um, and that just kind of has a couple of tests on the view model. And then on top of that, for every platform, for WPF, winfo WinRT, etc., um, it builds a UI project. So it builds a native UI in XAML or in AXML for Android or in kit for iOS, and it links that to the view model it's created. Um, and it's just a really quick way to get up and started um, on all those platforms. It, it's got minimal code in there so that you can then start writing. So, you know, it's not a full, okay. uh, you know, if you've ever run like a, a one of the old WinForms projects, which or WebForms projects, which brings you up all sorts of pages. You then have to delete. Um, you don't want all those things in your project to start with. Right. Um, so you know it's just got one view which you can then you know delete or, or continue with as you want to. Um, and and it's a really awesome thing that somebody from the community just decided to produce. Yeah. Um, and, and they made it. You know, and it's not easy integrating with the Visual Studio APIs. Sometimes um, they've been built up over twenty years or whatever. Um, so, they so, put them together I have it?
1: so many questions here. This is amazing. Um, you, you talked about UI projects in Visual Studio. What's the current state of that? Like you said, there's an Android project in Visual Studio, which is uh, Android UI and iOS UI. You still have to have a Mac to compile an iOS app, don't you? Yeah. So for Android,
2: you, you can work 100% on your PC. There's no worries about that. Right.
1: Because it's just Java.
2: Yeah, the, the Android SDK gets installed. The Xamarin tools do an amazing job with the installation for for everything. If you just download that one installer, it'll make sure everything gets installed. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, um, for iOS, though, the, the, the Apple terms and conditions mean that you're supposed to have or you always should have a Mac for every developer. And all of the tools don't run without a Mac anyway. So you kind of need them in the background. Um, so that you can deploy and test on the simulator and test on a real iOS device connected to your Mac as well.
1: Okay, so you if you get a Mac Mini or something like that and just connect it to your network, uh, yeah. you just have to have network access to it, right? Yeah, a load of people work with Mac Minis
2: because they're only sort of whatever, $400.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, quite a few people as well work on
2: uh, Mac desktops, mm-hmm. uh, Mac laptops where they install, um, you know, uh, what's it called? Parallels. Mm-hmm. Um, and they install Windows within Parallels. And that means they don't even have to switch keyboard or anything. They can just use it straight away. Um, and the people who've got that up and running really slickly, it's just a, an easy development experience for them. Because, um, you know, windows just kind of overlap on the screen and it's fine.
1: So let's find a, um, a, a URL to this wizard and put that on our page. Okay. That sounds mind-blowingly life-changing with MVVM Cross and Xamarin. Cool. We'll definitely get that on. What a cocktail.
2: Yeah. Whoo. Um so beyond that, like as I say, I've I've recorded a few videos, um, but also just the, the amount the sheer quantity of people who've gone out there and blogged about it or who've um produced um you know user group sessions, mm-hmm. I think actually the guy you mentioned from from the start, Sean Cross, mm-hmm. if he's the guy I'm thinking of, I think he's in New Zealand. And he produced a really um epic sample that he put together and I think he talks now where was his user group? Maybe Hawke's Bay in New Zealand. Um, and so that's worth digging out as well. His slides from that talk, um, and his samples really good. Okay. Um, but there are so many others, I mean, across the U S there, there have been, you know, people like, um, John Douglas, uh, Rob, uh, Gibbons has done things. Um, we've had, you know, uh, there's so many, they're all MVPs and things. People like Andrew Strickland has, has done talks. I think, Yeah. um, there's a guy called Mr. Doss, Jeremy Ellis, and he put together a, um, a medical networking enterprise app. As a sample, and he did a talk on it. It's just it's, it's a really good sample. Um, you know, you, you can browse the code on GitHub. You can download it if you need to. Um, but just as getting started, it's ideal because it, you know it's real work. It's what everyone wants to build and sure. being asked of at work. Um, uh, beyond the US as well, like I think there's a, a cluster of people in Spain who've really done a huge amount of good work. Um, so so there are guys like um, Juan Gomez was one of the originals, um, and he's recently he shipped an app. For Ireland, for, for cycling that I've seen, that's really good for Android, um, using MVVM Cross. And that really shows, you know, the cross platform native capabilities. So it's got things like mapping and GPS tracking and things in it. Right. Um, as well as lots of nice images which don't show it raining in Ireland. Ah. Um, which was my experience <laughs> of uh, cycling there. Um, we've had, um, as well as that in, in Spain, um, I think guys like Luis Pavon have done some, uh, some really good samples and talks, um, that, you know, they've done, uh, I think he's done an app. What was his app? His app was uh, a metro planner, I think, for Spain, for Madrid, maybe.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
2: you know, it tracks trains and, and when you should go down to the station to catch. Mm. Um, there are so many people who've done really good talks and demos out there. Um, I really feel guilty now. I should be saying thanks to all of them.
1: <laughs> it's like the Academy Awards. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's not just, um, you know, I've mentioned um, the US there, i mentioned Spain. In France, we've got a whole uh, bunch of users who've done really good stuff, so... Um, there's a, again, an MVP called Olivier Dehan, and he's produced some videos, um, which again show how to get up and running. Um, and he, he, he I think doesn't have a Mac. So he's only done that and only done that in Android in, in WinRT and Windows Phone, but that's still epic in terms of showing these things off. And he's also, I think he's taken an existing, you know, ninety or uh, 2009 Silverlight app and shown how that code can be reused across. Cause you know, oh, it's geez. the same principles underneath, um, but
1: pushing it forwards. Um, who else is there? So if you, if you don't mind, um, and it's been, cause it's been a while since we talked when, once you have this stuff set up are on all of these, in all of these different UI layers, are we using sort of declarative style tags to do, uh, you know, sort of XAML like binding to the view model? Is that the idea?
2: So in the windows platforms, we use XAML itself that's straightforward to use. Um, but maybe I'll come back and talk about XAML a bit later. Yeah, we know that. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'll talk a bit more about that one. Um, so in Windows, you use XAML. Um, you don't have to use Windows binding, though, because we've taken the binding a bit further. Right. Um, and we had a project last year called Tibet. Um, and in that project, we we tried to play with the syntax a bit, make it a bit more powerful, um, but also play with kind of the, the multi binding capabilities. Um, so that, you know, you can do expressions in our binding, So you can do things like, uh, gender brackets title, um, plus first name. Oh, good. Um, plus space plus last name, which means you don't then have to don't put have to in use adapters. Or into some, you know, long, complex value converter. Right. Um, so we've, we've added that in. Then in Android, um, most typically what people do is they use the Android XAML format, which is called AXML. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's XAML for dyslexics.
0: Ah! And, um, <laughs> uh,
2: and what we've added in there is we've added in just a couple of extra tags. And they allow you to do binding as well. So it is pretty much like um like like normal XAML binding for that. So it is declarative. And then the final thing we we've the final platforms for to look at there are then iOS and the Mac.
1: Mm. And
2: on those we don't use um the the XML because the XML is even more um, machine readable rather than human readable than XAML is. It's, it's really tightly tied. Um, it's not something you want to edit by hand mm. ever because it's kind of got, you know, numeric IDs referencing across places. Um, it's not something you can edit really at all. So there what we do is instead we've got a fluent syntax, which means you can use C sharp and it's a really straightforward expression based thing to build up. Um, and, and so it's really straightforward to, b- to bind things together You're using, you know, set dot. Uh, bind this button for its title to this string in the view model.
1: Oh, so you do it all in the view model?
2: Yeah, and oh. we've even seen that now. No, no. So you do that in the view currently? Yeah, for iOS. Um, but we have seen we have seen that coming back
1: into Android. So in in iOS, you you have a let's say you define a button with your with the name of the button. Do you do all the binding in the in the view model itself, or do you do you actually have to go into the the xml in the view and put some code in there
2: so we typically use the code behind for um for ios so um if you you look at an ios like ui when you're not using any kind of mvvm pattern or whatever then what you get is you actually get an MVC pattern Mm -hmm. and you get a view controller
1: this is even if you're not using xamarin right yeah yeah this is objective way yeah
2: um, and what you get is you get this code behind file, which is a bit like a code behind for a page mm-hmm. or for a user control in XAML. Um, and what you can do is you can just hook into there, into the view did load, um, the, these binding statements. So it, it's the only bit of code behind you generally put in there, um, but it's really straightforward to add them. And we have now seen people putting that same sort of code behind back into Windows as well and into Android because um, they actually prefer having that, um, you know, uh, IntelliSense based expression type thing coming across. Um, and it's actually, it's a technique we kind of borrowed from the excellent Paul Betts and from reactive UI. Um, because mm. they also, they have their own, um, binding system as well. Um, which just allows them to be more functional in the way they go about their bindings. Um, so, so we're seeing a lot happening there in the declarative things. And I thought, uh, did I say I'd come back to XAML? So XAML itself. So as we, we keep moving forwards, um, we're looking also at the moment at kind of, if there are any alternatives to XAML for window UIs, because um, uh, XAML's been around for what? Since 2003 now, I think it first came out. Actually, there is, there is on the web. There's a, a brilliant page that somebody's put together, and it's name, um, somebody like, something like, he's a Jeremy. I'll have to dig out the link after the show. And he's put together a kind of uh, a JavaScript-based UI showing the history of XAML. And it goes all the way from 2003, all the way through kind of the first releases of Avalon in 2004-5, through to Silverlight in 2007-8, um, all the way up to today, where, you know, you have just had from build, you have just had the, what is it called? There's WinRT, there's WinPRT for phones, and there's these universal apps and the Silverlight 8.1 for phones. So it's Great. really showing how XAML growing and changing. Um, but it's also, it's kind of interesting, because if you look at XAML, and you look at XAML from that, those first prototypes back in 2003, four, and you look at today, it's really not changed and grown that much. No. Um, so, so it's really interesting looking at it from our perspective now, where we're looking kind of at more cross-platform things. Um, and we're just looking at the ideas of, is there any way it could change? Cause imagine if, if, you know, if ASP.NET had stayed where it was in 2003, four. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's just unthinkable now that you wouldn't have Razor and you wouldn't have, um, even before Razor, the other ASP.NET, um, NBC platforms than there. Right. Um, so it, it's just interesting to look at XAML and particularly at the moment we're looking, we're looking at three key problems in XAML really, or I am anyway. Um, and those three problems really are the letters X, M and L. Um, cause it, it's just, <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So, so it leaves us with, uh, the, the kind of pet name for this project at the moment is A. A.
1: Hey. Um,
2: yeah. <laughs> A. That's it. Um, and it's just looking at xaml and um i think uh coding horror um he he once wrote a blog post about the fact that um that xml comes with a real angle bracket tax if you look yes. at xml it's really hard to get the information out about what's actually it's representing um it's wonderful you know as as a term of the uh the millennium language for for machines to read and for machines to communicate
1: stands for extra medium large yeah
2: <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, it's wonderful for, for tooling and it's wonderful for all those sorts of things, but it's not so good for actually just humans to read and write. Um, I mean, you, you look at the difference between Razor and, and the XML that's inside the Razor and it, it's just so unreadable. So we're looking at that at the moment and looking to see whether or not there are any ways we could kind of do, you know, a nicer format. Um, something that's maybe more white space delimited, delimited. Um, something that allows people to put, you know, more sections within their code. To, to edit it just normally in an editor rather than you know having these angle brackets. Um, but then in the case of bindings, have kind of curly braces inside them as well. Um, so there's all sorts of things on the go there. Um, and hopefully I'll, I'll get some blog posts about that out soon. Um, you know, it, it's all about, um, I mean, too many buzzwords. Yeah. But it's all about moving from, um, you know, where we are at the moment, which is declarative programming, and seeing if we can become a bit more DSL, a bit more language oriented programming or grammar-orientated programming yeah. um, and get people out there building more awesome things.
1: Yep. Hey, Richard.
0: Yeah, buddy. You know what time it is? It must be that happy time again.
1: You know it. It's time to press the Make Me an App Wizard button and produce an MVVM cross-cross-platform sample app with a button that you press that sends a thank you message to everyone who's ever written an MVVM cross-cross-platform sample app. <laughs>
0: <laughs> on all the
2: platforms i'm feeling guilty about all the people i haven't said thank you to now um <laughs> nice. there are so many of them that's
1: actually time richard to give away a telerik devcraft complete collection to one lucky member of the net rocks fan club but first let's talk about the telerik platform Create compelling app experiences across any screen with the Telerik platform. Telerik's end-to-end platform uniquely combines industry-leading UI tools with cloud services to simplify the entire app development lifecycle. Telerik offers everything .NET developers need to build quality apps faster. Try it for free at Telerik.com slash platform. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Bikesh Vyadya from the UK. Well, oh,
0: congratulations, sir. Golf clap
1: for you. Golf clap for Bikesh. He just won the Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection, just about everything Telerik does in one box. And uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, go to click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. Every show, we give away sponsor goodies like that. And every December, we give away $5,000 worth of stuff, technology, technology, to one lucky member of the fan club. And we like to ask our guest, Stuart, if you had 5,000 US dollars to spend on technology right now, what would you buy?
2: Oh, this is a tricky one, right? Well, I'd have to buy another couple of bikes um, or maybe one very expensive bike um, because I really do quite enjoy my cycling. Yeah. And and you can never um, be too good looking or too well equipped. (laughs) And um, that was stolen from Dilbert, sorry. Um, but, um, yeah, so it would have to be some really nice carbon bike. Um, um, uh, and then the more you spend, the lighter it gets, so the less you get for your money. Um, what else would I buy that's technology at the moment? The thing is $5,000 is so much now for technology. It's, it used to be, you know, that a laptop was 2000 or whatever. Now you can get your top of the range laptops for, for
0: $1,200. You can easily blow through five grand on a carbon fiber frame.
2: Oh yes. Uh yeah. But I was hoping oh, yeah. to get more. Um, so I'm going to, yeah, I'd, I'd spend it on the bike and then maybe some new nice shiny laptop because my old one's beginning to stutter a bit. Um, I've just upgraded it for a terabyte SSD, um, but it's it's not enjoying Windows 8.1 at the moment, unfortunately. So uh, I may need to get a new one of those.
0: Although have you seen these carbon fiber rims for, for bicycles? I think they, they got no give to them. I, I think it'd be quite painful to ride on them.
2: Um, no, well, they've got some, they've got some stiffness in them, carbon fiber, so it's alright. But yeah, they, if you're going for deep rims, you've also got to watch out in the wind, I've heard. Um, cause you'll get blown around a lot with, with carbon fiber rims.
0: Cause they have more surface area?
2: Yeah, if, if you've gone for deep rims, they've got a lot more surface, so a side, um, wind will get you blown across the road. Um, I've also just bought a new wetsuit as well. Um, which unfortunately is not to do with performance, but to do with, uh, possibly attending too many conferences and things. Um, so I've, I've grown up a size in my uh, wetsuit, um, but I'm looking forward to going back <laughs> in open water as well. So, uh, yeah, there's always more toys to play with the technology.
0: Oh, yes. Always more toys.
2: I'm quite looking forward to, to new smartwatches, which are more sporty as well. Um, so far, the smartwatches have been a bit kind of bulky and ugly. Um, so I still got a smartwatch, which is just for GPS. Um, but I'm looking forward to more and more there.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah, there's always more I can buy for the bike.
1: Was that um, plug-in, that wizard that you talked about for Visual Studio, was that Ninja Coder?
2: Yeah, that's the one from Adrian.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's right on the main page for MVVM Cross. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Stuart, you know, you sort of flew past there in the first half, this whole idea of uh, Silverlight's relationship uh, to MVVM Cross. Do you see folks actually able to take their old Silverlight apps and migrate them?
2: Yeah, so we've seen a few people do that. Um, one of the one of the key contributors um, is actually uh, Thomas, who's better known as Cheese Baron online. Um, <laughs> and he's his company, uh, Bruil and Kaya, who are Danish, and they do uh, noise detection stuff. So they've come from having a silver light website, which allows you to monitor you know, noise around a port or an airport or a motorway type thing. Um, and they've gone from that to mobile apps. So they've actually taken the same C-sharp and the same kind of structure they had of view models and things, and taken those directly into mobile apps. So yeah, I've seen it happen. Um, obviously, it still takes a talented engineer like Thomas to do it, um, but it enables them to keep those code bases going together.
0: So they're still building the Silverlight app as well.
2: Um So the Silverlight app's still out there. I don't know whether or, wow. or not they're still pushing that forwards. Um, obviously, Microsoft have not really... Uh, I mean, Silverlight is, is kind of more now WinRT. It's not really, well, it's definitely not going forward to platform. Right. Um, uh, and, uh, we've also, um, we are just on the cusp at the moment of actually stopping having any kind of conventional Silverlight support. We still have Silverlight for phone. Um, but one of the changes that has come about as, as a part of the, um, universal projects, um, that Microsoft had just announced is that we have to now switch to the, new reflection APIs that um, yes. came in in, in in .NET 4.5 and those aren't available at all inside Silverlight. So uh, unfortunately, unless there is a Silverlight 6 um, or Silverlight 7 or whatever it is released around the corner, um, then I think we are going to have to abandon all of our Silverlight support um, and just keep going with, with kind of the new modern platforms.
0: Yeah, now I was just thinking in terms of if you've got existing Silverlight code and you want to migrate it, this seems like a pretty painless migration.
2: Oh, it is because Silverlight was always the the smallest profile of all the platforms because it was you know security constrained and things. So it was all, it's all it's pretty straightforward to bring that across and put it into you know a, a new mobile app. Um, also, Silverlight apps were always designed to be one window, as it were, um, because they were right. designed to fit inside the web browser. So, so really, those those user experiences that you always had in Silverlight, they tend to migrate pretty smoothly across into uh, into the the new mobile platforms.
1: So here's something for you: where where does it fall down? Is there anything on any particular platform that just can't go across platform? I mean, there's got to be stuff then, you know, that's iOS only, Android only,
2: where you start integrating with specific hardware. So if it's like iBeacons. Um, which are only kind of officially supported on iOS, then you have to stay within those. Um, If there are specific, you know, Bluetooth APIs that are only on certain platforms, you have to stick to those
1: platforms. those ones are obvious, but are there any others that you might not think, oh my gosh, really? Like, you know, maybe like file access or something like that?
2: So file access doesn't tend to be because we've also got, you know, really good SQLite types performance across all platforms now. And that's getting better all the time as well. People are building new plugins for Silverlight. Um, but there's a new one coming at the moment, which is just absolutely eric- epic from a guy called Eric Sink,
1: who's building it. Yeah, we
2: know. And eric. So all of that file stuff is is just coming across really nicely.
1: But if you try to access things like you know, in in Windows, you have your current directory and you have your, you know, your Documents directory. How do those things get mapped across those different platforms?
2: So those map across remarkably straightforwardly because you know. Xamarin have, have supported Mono, and Mono has exactly those same, you know, environment.current directory um, fields in there um, and, and the operating system allows you to access them. Obviously, there are differences. So, for example, on Windows Phone, you can't access files across different apps. On iOS, similarly, you have to start looking at, you know, can I share using um, using, using links um, can I, um, use URLs across apps in order to get, um, data from one to another? Mm. Um, but generally that's a, you know, it's a different type of application you're building. It's a bit like a Silverlight app. You never really had, you know, a file system to look at in a Silverlight app. Um, perhaps you looked at a backend file system using RIA or something like that, but generally it wasn't what you were looking at. You weren't looking at a list of local files. Perhaps you were looking at a, a Dropbox type folder list. Um, but it's not generally, you know, it's not the desktop experience that you get with Microsoft Word of file open and then, you know, look across all of my documents trying to find the thing you saved yesterday. Um, it, it's different in those type of things. So you don't really need to look for those things. Um, other pain points are that there are different, you know, UI paradigms, as it were. You know, Windows Phone has a really strong identity of hubs and pivots. Um, yeah. iOS is more, is really table-based throughout its whole. And Android is, well, it's, it's still growing up in so many ways. Um, it, it's kind of a mix between the two. Um, but it's, it's getting a stronger identity all the time as Android 4.4 and it comes along. Um, and no doubt 4.5 next week, um, or whenever Google IO is, is coming through. Um, and you know, the, the layout there in terms of having action bars and shared UI is getting stronger and stronger in terms of what users expect from apps and Android
0: you don't think iOS seven is looking more like uh, Windows uh, phone like, that it, it's more of the side scrolling model. I, I guess, you I mean, there's, there's the look and then there's the question about uh, is the actual UI paradigm different?
2: I don't think, I mean, the UI paradigm was never that different in terms of you always had kind of tabs on iOS. Right. Um, so which isn't that different to having pivots or hub control. Um, but he stylized, it obviously looks very different. But in terms of sharing code, we've seen plenty of people who've used tabs and pivots interchangeably between the platforms. Sure. Um, there are differences as well when you start looking at different screen sizes and capabilities. So, you know, we still have quite a lot of people. Um, in fact, we, have, you know, not just still have, but increasingly get a number of people who come along and build WTF apps and there they have, you know, different concepts about how you do navigation and structure. So they've kind of yes. got top level menus and multiple windows. Um, And how you share that code across is is different across the platforms.
0: Well, and I I wonder if we're just, we're not allowing the apps in the effort to do cross platform. I mean, I really get this idea that as developers, we want cross platform, but I don't think our customers could care less. What they want is a good looking app on their platform. And I'm wondering if we're we're homogenizing too much here that you don't get to look like anything anymore if you're going to work on everything. So that's really why we
2: we haven't gone for a unified view level yet in in cross. Right. That's why we do use native UIs. It's so that you do get that native experience and that native um, flexibility. But obviously, it's still down to developers, and it's up to the developers to to really push that forwards their experience. Um, and by and large, like so many apps that I see, they really do care about each platform, and they really do push that forwards. Um So, you know, the reason they're not using um, PhoneGap and HTML in the first place, really, is because they want the performance and they want the animations and they want the look and feel and they want that, you know, slickness of UI that they can get. So that's why they've, they've chosen this approach. Right. And what they get by then having the cross-platform code in the back end is it means they don't have the lag that so many people get in their platforms. Mm. So they don't have, oh, my iOS version supports, you know, the latest fast Facebook links, but my Android one doesn't. My Windows Phone one, well, it's even further behind. So by having this shared core, it means that they can upgrade all, all of their platforms together.
0: All the phones get the new version on the same day.
2: Well, it, it's up to them how they schedule their time for that, but it at least gives them that capability to do it. Right.
0: Um, and to, to make sure
2: that, you know, they can QA all of them to the same level um, and they can push it forwards. So typically they're not seeing, you know, a huge boost in productivity going this route for the first version. But what they'll see is that incrementally as they release other versions, it's just much more straightforward to do
0: this. Hmm. Right. So then I guess there's some point here, maybe it's version three, where the net savings really kicks in.
2: Uh, Well, I mean, personally, I start with every project this way. um, And I get savings from version one. But if you're starting from, you know, not having come from an MVVM background, then you won't see the the, the huge savings in version one. But you will see them in, in version two. And I, I don't think you'll find it takes much longer to get to version one either. I think you'll still see, you know, it's equivalent.
0: But it is a learning. What we're doing then is we're expensing the learning curve of a new design approach onto the app, which is somewhat unfair.
2: Um Yeah, it depends on how you're approaching it. I may be being particularly unfair to the approach as well. I've You know, I've seen it's quite interesting coming um into projects. So I work with quite a number of customers now, and I've seen projects which come from people who, who are used to MVVM and used to Windows platforms.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: but quite often they're used to WPF and they haven't done anything with WinRT or Windows Phone. Uh, and I've seen them come into it and they've just flown through the uh, software. development. Interesting. Yeah. I've also seen other customers. It's really fascinating. who have come at it with Android and iOS developers. So they've yes. come at it with no C sharp experience. Um, and I've seen them come to Xamarin to look for the, the savings and the shared code. Um, and it's fascinating seeing them come up to speed as well because they, they do, they remarkably quickly come up. The, the things they tend to hit as problems are just where the tool chain is different, where they, you know, have done something before and suddenly they can't do it the same way. Um, just because, oh, look, I I normally look here and oh, it's all in Objective-C. I can't just quite, you know, instantly cut and paste it across. Um, or, you know, perhaps they've used instruments in a certain way on Mac and they can't quite do it the same way. Um, but it's fascinating seeing them come across it. and you know, when you see the Windows guys who are used to their XAML controls, which you know um, lead you in that declarative fashion, um, and they come across and they start building controls in UI, um, then you see them struggle for a few days and then you right. see them get hold of things. I mean things like the animations in um, iOS are just they're wonderfully done. And the, the way that um, the way that Xamarin tools and C sharp lets you, you know, use action based and thump based um, animations. So you just do UIView.animate, and then you put the action in there of what the animation is going to be. It's just wonderful to see them get hold of those and then suddenly start, you know. For a couple of days, they make the most awful UIs where they just animate everything. Um, but <laughs> you just see them picking it up and, and flying with it. And it's just great to see these kind of um, two different development environments um, colliding together. Yeah. And people from, from Objective-C and Java, they really start to get it. Once they see the, you know, the kind of functional elements that are now there within C Sharp, and once they start to use async, then they get it they understand why they're using these tools
0: well and we forget that mvvm is really a microsoft centric idea a lot of developers have been very successful having never used this pattern and it takes time for them to sort of get their head around it that it is different it is not mvc uh
2: yeah but, but generally they get it quite quickly actually um I think you know they they get the code behind thing and they get the fact that they build it in code rather than you know this view models there and it has the interactions and they really quite like the fact that they can test it as well because um, it's right. just quicker and easier to write the test than it is to, to actually run up the UI and slide your finger across quite often so they they, they really get that side of things. Um, but, but MVVM is also now, you know, it sprouted its wings and whether you call it MVVM or MVVC or, um, MVP or whatever they're calling it within, um, you know, JavaScript platforms, then you see that, um,
0: yeah, model view binder.
2: Yeah. All of the, yeah, exactly. All of those things that are happening in knockout, um, and in Mm -hmm. Durandal and all those types of things, they're, they are, you know, really picking up in terms of, or people understanding, you know, the code behind type perspective
0: yeah and just to be clear, like Martin Fowler started this with the whole presentation model design pattern, but yeah. we there's just been all these different spin-offs of it, so I, I'm with you that you may not have run an MVVM before, but if you've done anything in the presentation model design, then they're all they're not that different.
1: yeah, and you know, and if, if you've even done XAML and WPF, you've brushed so close up against MVVM, yeah, you know, it really is that not that much different if you've done any binding.
2: And also if you compare approaches, so, um, there's a, have you ever come across Property Cross? There's a, uh, there's a, 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 project out there that was started by a guy, a really interesting guy. You came get him on your show. A guy called Colin, mm-hmm. Colin Ebenhardt. And, uh, he works up in Newcastle. Um, and he has, um, put together, um, a website called Property Cross. And what Property Cross is, is it's a comparison of development techniques, cross platform development techniques. Um, and so, you know, it's got Cordova in there. It's got, um, all sorts of controls from people like Telerik in there. Um, it's got a baseline Xamarin set in there and it's got an NVVM cross set in there. Um, and it's, it's no doubt also got things like, uh, the, the Delphi type approach in there as well. Um, and it's really fascinating to see how these, um, code patterns work for this, um, you know, property finder, um, app that he's got working on Windows Phone and Android and iOS. Um, and uh, I think a guy called Ross uh, Dargan contributed it for, uh, for us, which, again, is brilliant. Thank you very much to everyone in the community who keeps just building these things. <laughs> um, and it's it's really a, an interesting place to look at the comparisons because you can also, you know, it's not just about looking at, at how, um, how much code you're actually using percentage terms, but it's looking at the code and does it make sense to you? Is that the way you want to write code? Right. Um. you know, it's always the question of, you know, you write code so that it's the code you'd like to inherit from another developer, um, rather than being, you know, just the code that you can ship and then forget about.
0: Yeah, interesting point of view. And in a lot of these design patterns, that's what this is about, that other people can actually look at this code and have a sense of what it's about and, and be willing to make changes to it with some confidence that they're not going to ruin things.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it, we all love writing code and it's about enabling us to just go on and, and keep writing it.
0: Well, and it's, you know, the nature of cross-platform development is it was bad enough when you're just like, Hey, will the other feature inside of this app work when I make a change to this feature? Now it's like, will the other feature work on those six other devices?
2: Um, yeah, we, we, uh, we, we have that pain still. Um, and uh, it's not just the six other devices as well. You also get the different versions of them. Um, but. Yes. The good news is that um, whilst it is painful, you do get to play with a lot of toys um, <laughs> and you' you know it's it's also it's 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 a fun thing to do and it, you are also producing apps that generally um you know one of the changes is it's, it's apps that people want to use um, yeah. even your business apps have gone that way it's it's its it's fascinating watching you know you are building things for people to use it's for your business for your users or consumers or whatever it is. Um, and it's great to see that happening. You know, it's, it's wonderful, uh, forward direction.
1: Yeah, indeed. Exciting stuff. What is next for you, Stuart? I know that you, software is never done. It's just abandoned.
2: Um, well, hopefully we're not abandoning. Um, we've got a whole load of things going on inside MVVM Cross. Um, and we're trying, well, I'm particularly trying to learn to be a better open source coder. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to, to learn my way through, um, getting more and more. Um, flexible about how people contribute um, and you know how we improve the quality as we keep building forwards and um, we've got a whole load of ideas to say about you know shared ui platforms and noxaml and all those sorts of things mm-hmm. um in work terms i've had um fascinating year I've, I've done some work on the xbox one in windows js so that was an interesting javascript experience um i've done i did a two, three months project at the start of this year, which was um, with some great guys uh, with Neil and Ben and Marcus and Matt, um, which was a WebGL. Um, so it's JavaScript in the browser. Um, but if you've never really taken a look at what WebGL is, it's it's amazing the 3D um, animations and, and apps that you can get running. Hmm. So this was for a game called Age of Ascent. Um, and really is, it's stunning. It's It's, it's you know, forget HTML. This is this is more like a uh, a Unity 3D type environment. It's OpenGL, um, and what you get from the browser is incredible. Um, Internet Explorer and Chrome and Firefox, um, y- you can write these little scripts, and they run on the graphics cards. You're not really running in the browser; they are running on the graphics card. Um, and in terms of of UI, it it was a real eye opener. Um, and I quite enjoyed working in JavaScript as well. I know that not everyone does, but it, it was a really, um, interesting time. Um, apart from that, I've got loads of other kind of projects and developments
1: on the way. I've got some great customers. Tell me, what is it about JavaScript that you like?
2: Um, so I think one of the things that I, I found recently, um, with C sharp, um, is that I've, I found I've moved from a, an area where I was kind of two years ago where the tooling was just amazing and, and I was finding it enabled me in so many ways. So things like ReSharp were really helping Visual Studio with all its kind of code maps and things were really driving me forwards and IntelliSense and IntelliTrace and all of those lovely things. Um, to, I found it's actually now kind of, it's slowing me down in some ways. Um, I can feel the tools thinking too much. So, mm. you know, there's just a delay when you type. Um, and sometimes there's quite a long delay when you type. If you're using like a XAML editor, for example, yeah. you know, it, it can go away and think for 20 seconds. Um, but also the C sharp editor can as well in Visual Studio 2013 when you're there with resharp installed and all the stuff. Um, whereas with JavaScript, I was finding it was just a, a much quicker, um, turnaround cycle. So, you, you know, you, you would be putting the code in some cases directly into the editor in Chrome, hitting control S for save and you'd see it run. And it was just that quick feedback loop. Um, it's a bit like actually, I think you, one of you guys might have said it once, mate, that kind of old VB experience of dragging and dropping onto the canvas. Right. Hitting go and you just have that instant development cycle going. Right. Um, so I think it was that, but it's also um, again, just my tastes are kind of changing in the way that um, all of the C sharp um, features, all of the the typing, and all of the syntax that, that I still do love and I still code in every day. Hmm. Um, but I'm finding you know other approaches are also interesting. So I, you know I like right. the F sharp type approach where you don't have to specify the types all the time. Right, Um, And the same thing in JavaScript, where, you know, you can just write that code and get going. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm even finding myself drawn back to, you know, kind of the old world of of Lisp, uh, which is now coming to the fore in Clojure. So, you know, I used to laugh at all the brackets in Lisp.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We still laugh at all the brackets in Lisp. Come (laughs) on.
2: But actually, when you look at Lisp and you look at a function and the way it's, it's declared and the way it's put together it's it's actually cleaner than it is in a C-style syntax, mm. you know, because you don't have, you know, with, with the C-style, you have kind of a keyword like a function or, or, or you know, the typing up front, and then you'll have the open brackets for the parentheses, and then you'll have the curly brace for the the, the uh, actual body, whereas with Lisp, you just have one set of braces around the outside. And so, you know, in terms of syntax, again, it's in terms of connecting with the code. I'm finding that just much more straightforward to look at and just to get going with um hmm. maybe uh, you know it's getting in the way as well but it's interesting it's just is interesting you know, um so again it comes back to that kind of grammar-oriented programming or language-oriented programming it's, it's programmer-oriented programming i'll coin that for all
1: time. right it's a big yeah. wide world out there thank you Stuart. it's man you blow my mind every time i talk to you
2: thank you guys for inviting me on again and uh yeah sorry to all the people i didn't mention there are so many <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> Well, uh, we'll follow you on your blog, and I'm sure you mentioned them there. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks again, Stuart. And we'll see you next time on .Net Rocks.